podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Join us for the very first IFL Live at London's Indigo at the O2, Sunday, August the 13th, with me, Kukin Cassius, and some very special guests, Eddie Hearn, Darren Barker, Johnny Fisher, and more. Tickets now on sale. So in the words of Eddie Hearn... You get up, you dress up, and you fucking show up. This is Coombe Cassis for IFL TV, proudly sponsored by Everlast. Are you ever out of a vest or? At home? Not really. No? No, why? Well, it's a bit of a weird question to start when with. I, when I met you, how many tattoos did you have? None. Seriously? None. You're joking. No. Why? Do you know what, right? So I remember a conversation, I think it was about two years ago, and I went to you, I am going to do a minimum of 40 shows this year. And you went, you won't do 40 shows. I went, I will. And you went, all right, we'll have a little bet. You went, if you don't do 40 shows, I get to slap you, like, or, or punt, whatever it was, like, yeah. undefended, straight on in the mush, or you have to have a tattoo. Right. And I actually only done 30-odd shows, and you never even mentioned it, and I was quite pleased. But the reason I mentioned is you have covered yourself in tattoos. And I, I, I think as you get a little bit older, I wouldn't mind a little. I mean, I wouldn't go to your lengths, do you know what I mean? But obviously, cast my mind back to then, a little bit chubby, love handles. Obviously now, pecs, ripped to shreds. It would actually, I think it would quite suit me. All right, let's address one weird thing at a time. The first thing, yeah, I didn't mention it because I didn't really want to put you in a situation where like, I set about you in an interview or you got a tattoo. So I gave you an out there with that one. Secondly, you would look like a proper... <laughs> If you started covering yourself in tattoos, no, I would never. No, listen, one right, I would never ever cover myself with tattoos. But you know, I don't know, like a little. I think I'd go for like a little something, a little Latin verse or something that was inspirational. You know, or just if you're having a tough day, you just give it the old. Yeah, fucking right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not like you, where it's like, I don't know. Why don't you, I'll tell you what you get. If you're going to get a tattoo right, right across your forehead, why don't you get game changed? Oh, good one. Good one. Good one, mate. Great banter. Listen, I want to ask you a question. This is actually a serious question. Go on. How many times have you been to the tattoo parlour? Good question. I've got over 47 different toes. Okay. My next question is, and this is not me trying to be funny, this is like out of ignorance, whatever. How much... Has the forty-seven tattoos cost you? Because I've no, I've no idea what what one's going to be. All right. To be fair, my guy, shout out Paul Boxall in Whitford. My guy, obviously, because I'm loyal to him, and I would never ever go anywhere else for a tattoo. He's kind of like done me little deals and all that, so it's hard for me to tell you exactly how much I spent. Roughly, right? Say like, all right. Say I went into the tattoo parlor and I said, I want. I don't know. Hearn is the goat or something like that. So, sort of, you know, what would that cost me? In italics. Like, Hearn is the goat? Yeah. Right, like, uh, 100? 500? Yeah, I mean, you're you're more 
accurate with your second suggestion up that hundred. Really? Wow. Get a tattoo for hundred quid. So it's fair to say you have spent probably because of the detail. Yeah. Over fifty grand on tattoos. No. Absolutely not. You've had forty-seven tattoos. You're telling me Eddie Herney's the goat is five hundred sheets. No, I'm Look saying, at you. Five hundred. Look at you. The detail on you is unbelievable, boy. You know the story about my old man with the tattoos, right? I think you've told us before. Have I? Okay. Yeah, go on. Just say it anyway, just to finish off this. So he watched. Yeah. He watched the film. Um, oh, what's it called? Where you write down all the things you want to do before you die. Bucket list. Oh, bucket list. Right? Yeah. With um, Morgan Freeman, I think Jack Nicholson. So he's like, I'm going to do a bucket list. Not that he was dying, he just thought he'd do one anyway. So loads of different things. Anyway, one of them was, I'd love to get a tattoo. So he goes to Mandalay Bay, right? He's a very famous tattoo artist there. Goes into the lobby, goes up to the bloke, goes in. He went, all right, mate, you see, I, I, I want to get a tattoo. Always quite fancy one. You know, I'm getting on. Why not? And the bloke goes, all right, well, what would you like? And he went, oh, I have absolutely no idea. And he went, well, where would you like it? He went, I don't know. There, I suppose. So the guy goes to him, what's the most important thing to you? And he went, oh, family, I suppose. He went, all right. He went, listen, mate, I'll just leave it to you. Like, you crack on, so whatever you think look nice, mate. So he says family across the bicep. There's a heart coming out the top and flames coming out the bottom, mate. It is the worst tattoo. And even worse than that, a year later, he went back and got another one on the other arm saying life. It's like a replica. And like when he wears a short sleeve shirt, you can just see like the flames coming out of the bottom. Mate, he's absolutely 75 years old. It's dreadful. But I'm I'm contemplating it. Contemplating it. Well, listen, I could get you a good deal if you want to come and see my guy, as you could tell. What about, what about if I got like in time, so it at least be a benefit to us. IFL Live, August 13th, 02, or something like that. Do you know what I mean? And then I can do a little photo shoot AJ week with the tat, because you, I know how hard you've been pushing it. Do you know what I mean? Unbelievable. I love you, <laughs> mate. Your promotion's on another level. <laughs> another level. Yeah, but you've Your... got to understand where I got it from, because you obviously, I know. you know. I know, but all I can say is, if you haven't got your tickets yet, August 13th, 02, night after AJ, we'll see you down there. Sounds like the entire boxing world will be in attendance. I hope so. I hope so. As long as you turn up, me old boy. I'll be there, mate. That's all we want. Right, let's jump straight into it. Eddie, an absolute sensational performance last night by Terence Bud Crawford, destroying Errol Spence. Um... Did it surprise you? I'm not going to use the word easy because it's not, but I'm saying how... Well, it was. I mean, what, like, we, we, we don't want to because it's two just tremendous fighters who have given us such a breath of fresh air and a ray of hope for the sport. I mean, first, I don't want to sound like, you know, but I am so... I work, like, I'm, I'm buzzing today. I'm so proud of boxing last night, and I didn't even, I mean, obviously, Errol Spence won his first world title on my show, Terence Crawford won his first world title on my show, so you do have, I mean, I have to take some credit, obviously, but those guys... Credit for what? As a joke. This is the problem, by the way. Like An American would watch that part of the interview and go, I can't believe you said that, but anyway, these two... You half mean it, though, you half mean it, though. 
these two, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And please, let this be a lesson, well, not even a lesson, just let this kickstart momentum for fighters taking fights, right? Managers, advisors, lawyers, trainers, let's take risks sometimes. When you lose, it doesn't really matter. Obviously, these guys made a fortune last night. You know, Errol Spence lost. It doesn't really matter. He can move up to 54. I know he's got a rematch clause. Bud Crawford becomes the superstar that he should have been so many years ago. And just like he's so good for the sport, honestly. Well, I'm really just proud of, of the event. Well done to everybody. PBC, Stephen Espinosa. Honestly, every, I don't, don't mind saying it at all. Bloody well done. And as for Terence Crawford, unbelievable. Unbelievable, right? We're talking about a generational great here. Not just in boxing, but in sport. The way, and I went for the bud stoppage, but I didn't expect it at all to be as one-sided as it was. I mean, he won every round. He dropped him three times. It's the calmness of Bud Crawford. Like, he is unbelievable. Unbelievable. One of the great fighters, not just of our generation, but of all time. And But you have to get in these fights. And you think what he could do now. I know he's, what is he, 34? But he's lived a great life, you know. And that's another lesson to young fighters as well. But this guy could, could go and... I think he can move up, become a three-way undisputed champion. I think he can beat Charlo at 54, 100%. Ed, I, I remember speaking to you probably about four or five years ago, you know, when Terence Crawford was having a lot of promotional issues, etc. Mm. And I think it was put out to you that would you be interested in signing Terence at the time? And at the time, I think, and again, if I'm wrong in what I'm saying, like, re-quote me, you said that kind of didn't really feel like, like from a marketing perspective, you could really do anything with Terence Crawford back then. Do you remember? I just, think, I just think that he got, I mean, look, this is top rank will be sick as a parrot this morning because the pound for pound, clear pound for pound number one is Terence Crawford. But he got to a point with top rank, and this is why they didn't continue their deal together, where unfortunately, for what he was being paid, he wasn't delivering the numbers to justify that. That has nothing to do with talent or ability, and, and, and it can have something to do with the lack of promotion and the way a fighter was built. But the reality was, you know, he went and boxed David Avenesian. I mean, the rumours were he got $10 million. doesn't matter if it was six, seven, eight, whatever it was. It was still much too much money for that fight and the number of buyers that it did. But this was the breakout fight that he needed. And I posted something on, it was yesterday, actually. Because you know when he rapped to Mr. Carter for the for the um, the ring wall, uh, the weight. Like, he's so cool. You know, like, he, but no one gets to see it. Yeah. So Terence Crawford has a great personality, great backstory. He's an unbelievable fighter. And I always say this, he should be, and he is today. I mean, kind of today, but I was certainly on another level to where he was yesterday. He should be an absolute superstar in America. Absolute superstar. Like, you know, his backstory is unbelievable. If you read about it, his childhood, all that kind of stuff. Like, he's he's a responsible adult. He's a great role model. He's just, like, and he's just an incredible fighter. So, um, yeah, amazing, amazing performance.
I mean, one thing we can give you credit for, you did actually bring him to Scotland to fight Ricky Burns. Yeah, but I mean... No one knew who he was then, did they, really? I love, to, I love to take the credit, but ultimately, he was the mandatory challenger. Top rank wanted to do that fight in the US, but they also knew how good Terence Crawford was, and they knew he was a massive favourite to beat Ricky Burns. At the time, boxing knew how good Terence Crawford was, but you just hope that you bring a young fighter to Glasgow... Ricky Burns, crowd, everything. But even that night, like he was, I remember he won, he backflipped the decision. Well, by the way, it wasn't like a drubbing. Ricky won rounds in that fight. But you could see how special he was. It was yeah. funny because I said in an interview the other day, um, he came over and he's got obviously a big family, like big support network. And I think as usual, you get like six rooms for the team. And he would just, at the end of it, I got a bill for like, three grand for all these breakfasts. And I think there was like seven or eight people, like literally like in each room, like coming over to watch him. And I always mention it to him. Actually, I actually uh, DM'd him this morning. Yeah, left me on scene. Lovely. Um, well, he blanked you. What? He blanked you. Yeah. Imagine how many DMs he got today, though. He probably thought I was trying to sign him. But I wasn't. I just said something like, I can't remember, I said, I always knew you were special. But last night was something unbelievable. And I said, and this is this is a phrase I love, big game player. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know when the moment comes, you can perform something so special. Big game player. And if you are watching this or you're a fighter and you are a big game player, congratulations, because they're the special ones. When it matters, when the pressure's on, when you need to pull something out of the bag, on the biggest stages, you do it. Big game player, baby. All right, mate. What do you think about Errol Spence at the weight? I mean, look, like you can analyse, like, I don't think he looked very sharp at all, but it was just the timing, it was the footwork. I mean, I said in the build-up to this fight, I think Errol Spence wins by stoppage. Sorry, Terence Crawford wins by stoppage because... I think he's stronger at the weight. You know, he come from 35 to 40 to 47. Um, Errol's been at 47 for years. I mean, when he boxed Kel Brook and made 47, he was super tight that day, the Wayne in Sheffield. Um, he's had the car crash. He's had the retina tear. He's had a couple of tough fights. You know, we know he likes to enjoy himself a little bit between fights as well. And I just think... Mm, you know, you talk about small percentages, but it was the brilliance of Terence Crawford that won the fight. But it's difficult now because he's got a rematch clause by all accounts. And like, you know, he'll want to exercise the rematch because it's what you do. But be a, be a tough one to overcome for sure. Um, how many buys do you think you've done? I really hope, like, I really hope it did really well. One, so those two get a nice few quid, but two, to show everybody that real boxing fights rate well. Like, Javonta Davis against Ryan Garcia was a bit of a freak because you had two different audiences. You had that younger generation. You had the social media world. And 1.2 million or whatever it done, 1.1, who knows? But anywhere around those numbers is phenomenal. I would say this pro probably did... Anywhere, anywhere between five and eight. I have no idea, but I would, I would guess around six hundred, six foot five. And I hope it got to seven, eight, whatever it got to, because it deserved it. Do you know what I mean? And I, I did feel, 
again, I, I tweeted um, on Friday. I thought the Wayne was brilliant. Like, I'll, sometimes we're a bit close to it because we're fight fans, but I was totally invested in that fight. And it, I'm not often, unless I'm doing a show, it's very rare that I'll watch the weigh-in, I'll watch the build-up shows, I'll watch the actual fight itself, you know, in, in with such excitement. So I think everyone did a great job and hopefully it did loads of buys for them. I've never heard you talk so complimentary about a fight in my life that you weren't involved in ever. <laughs> I on it like honestly love boxing and I love sport. And I just feel that that was the absolute elite. Like, if you can't, very rarely do we see a fight like that, you know. And I, I don't, I never talk badly about a fight that, like Garcia against Tank. If you watch my interviews from that, I tell you the same thing. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant that fight gets made. And this is the same. But I do feel passionately about that fight because I, I got invested in it. And that's the art of selling a fight. You know, when we make our announcements next week, we've got to, one, get your attention with the announcements. Two, get you invested in the fight. Three, build the content, the story, the narrative, all, you know, to make sure that when the fight comes around, you're excited. And last week got me. And I was, I think it gave boxing great hope, hope as well. Because it just shows you when you get it right, it works. Absolutely. You're so mature and grown up now, Edward. It's, it's nice. I, I was actually thinking that today. That, like, I was thinking about this interview because I know you've been plaguing me for it. And I was just like, you know, someone called me on Friday night from the world of boxing. I'm not going to say who it was, but they'll probably watch this. And said to me, listen, and we don't really get on that well. Like, we kind of like each other sometimes, but a lot of the times we take shots at each other and, you know. And he was like, I, I'm tired of this shit. Do you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't have to be like that. I think me and you should get together, have a beer and just, you know. And I thought to myself, there's definitely a part of me that feels a little bit like that about certain situations. I'm always going to be bullish. I watched Stephen Espinosa's interview with Boxing News and he definitely bit his tongue on a few things, but I think a lot of what he said was right. And I thought, oh, you actually had the chance there to really drill me and you didn't quite drill me. And I know you, you know, you have a corporate responsibility as well, but that, I don't know. I'm definitely not going soft, but I think part of me, you know, maybe thinks that things could be easier if you didn't all the time. Do you know what I mean? Who was it? I'm not saying because Aaron, it's not Delahoya, the Bella. No. It was an American it was an American. So we, I'm not I'm not gonna get like I just it was a very nice phone call and I sort of got off the phone, I went because in boxing we live in a, a very, very paranoid world. So it was a bit like hmm. But then if that was genuine, which I believe it was, and I, you know, so yeah, right. that was it. It's been a it's been a great feel good weekend for Mate, boxing. Yeah, I really I really go into this week just buzzing, really thriving. You know, with with a real with a real buzz in my heart on a you know a soft soul. It's nice.
Nice to hear. Right, let's talk about some other news from the last couple of days. Um, Conor Ben's situation with UCAD. Um, I'm going to assume that there's still things that you can't go into. Listen, firstly, just so everybody, I mean, someone asked me as a journalist, you know, can I have a statement? I said, look, you do know that UCAD's process with the British Boxing Board of Control is completely confidential. Oh, oh, that's, that's uh, you know, that's convenient. I said, you do know that's not our rule. That's the rules of the hearing. So, and then I hear this other stuff. You know, he hasn't actually been cleared, has he? Well, he's actually been banned, hasn't he? He's been serving out a ban for a year. So just to make one thing clear, Connor Ben was provisionally suspended, subject to a hearing. He had the hearing. He is no longer, so that suspension was lifted and he is clear to fight. He has been cleared. I don't know, like, the whole, he hasn't really been cleared, has it? We, yes, he was suspended. The suspension's been lifted. He's clear to fight, right? So at the same time, what, what are you pulling a Facebook? Uh, no, I've got a couple of questions. I'm just... So you, you can ask him, but also it, it gets on my nerves because it's like we went through the process that we were told was the correct process to go through, which was the process with the people who conducted the test, right, with the WBC. He did that. It was proved that um, there was no uh, misdemeanor or whatever you want to call it. He was reinstated into the rankings, and on he goes. Everyone went mad and said he has to go through the British Boxing Board. Even though he didn't have a licence, he has to go through the British Boxing Board of Control. He has to go through UK. So he did that. And now... His suspension's been lifted. He hasn't been banned. He's clear to box. So I don't, at what point, what, what do we want to do now? You know, I mean, so that's where we're at. But Okay. So in that time period, he wasn't serving a ban. He was, Correct. He was provisionally suspe suspended. Yeah. So in that time period, he wouldn't be able to box in the UK. British Boxing Board of Control's rules align with UCAD. So any disciplinary matters regarding testing are through UCAT. So if you're provisionally suspended, you cannot apply for a British Boxing Border Control Licence. You cannot have a British Boxing Border Control Licence or box in this country if you are suspended by UCAT. Okay. This um, also about the 21-day rule to appeal from UCAT. What can you tell us about that? That's a standard rule. And, you know, I think most of this stuff, no one historically really comments on anything to do with UCAD. There's other British fighters that have been through this process. You've never heard anything from either side. But when someone issues a statement, it's very usual for UCAD to confirm a statement or whatever. Connor, I mean, the other thing I'll, I'll say is we actually got this decision on, and we're like, anyway, a day or whatever it was before, and it didn't leak. Remarkably, because Connor Ben won the case effectively. So um, he certainly would have if he would have lost the case, but that's another story. So Connor Ben wanted to issue a statement. And I believe his lawyers contacted UCAD to let them know he'd be doing that. And they also issued a small statement to say, correct, um, his suspension is lifted, he's no longer suspended. And we won't be commenting more on the matters, but we also do have 21 days to appeal. So I guess that's on them. Um, do you we expect have to... them to appeal, Eddie? Sorry? Do you expect them to appeal? 
I don't really know enough about the case. In all honesty, I, I don't. I believe not. But you know, who knows? Who knows? And, you know, hopefully we can just move on. Now he's been through two processes. He's not been banned. He's been cleared on both to proceed. And our next move, which is already underway, is to contact the British Boxing Board of Control and talk to them. Obviously, look, he has the choice, as some fighters have in the past, to get an international licence and get permission to box in the UK. But I would like him to get a British Boxing Board of Control licence. I mean, I know that there's been a lot of backwards and forwards between the two parties. But for me, if you're a British fighter and you're fighting in Britain, you should fight under a British Boxing Board of Control licence. And that's what he's cleared to do. And that's what he should do. So we'll be trying to manage that situation. Do you anticipate any issues with Conor Bent um, reapplying for a British Boxing Board of Control licence? No, I don't believe so. I mean, he's had his suspension lifted. He's, he's not suspended by UCAD. He's had the hearing. He's, he's clear to box. So, you know, I, I know that sometimes, not even ego, but he said, she said, whatever in the past, but it's time to move on. It's been, it's been a year and six months since he boxed, or yeah, a year and five months since he boxed. It's time for him to return. He's gone through every process anyone's asked him to, and we're here. So ready to see his return, and I can't wait. Do you anticipate that that um, 200 and whatever page report would be made public or not? I very much doubt it, considering that UCAD's rules are that he's confidential. And same with WBC. But, you know, who knows in time? There's a lot of new science that's been presented recently as well, beyond that document. And obviously, you know, it's been an ongoing um, investigation, all ends, for like a year now. So I'm, I'm glad it's over. Okay. So when you say over, like I said, you, you're going to go through the process of trying to reapply for a British boxing board of control license, but when you say it's over, it's it's done, done, finished. There isn't anything more pending regarding this. No, no. I mean, you know, subject. Obviously, there is a, always an appeal opportunity in these kind of situations, um, but we believe the situation's over, and we're moving forward now with his career, planning his next fight, and that's what we'll be doing. Yeah, in, in terms of that, I know you've obviously made comments regarding uh, a potential return in September, and then. In December, um, mm. what are the plans for that? Obviously, yeah, I mean, look, I think that firstly, when you're looking at the career of Conor Ben and you're looking at it from a management point of view, and particularly a, a trainer's point of view with Tony Sims, he's been out of the ring for a year and a half. He's been through, you know, and, and some people like to just say tough shit and whatever, but he's been through the most horrific time. So. He wants to go into the biggest fight out there, right? I think Tony Sims would probably say, I'd quite like you to come back in a you know, good fight and then have a mega fight. So we are exploring that option of September and then December. But at the same time, if a big fight comes around, potentially in October, then I think he would be keen to jump straight into that. But, you know, I think that's up to him and Tony and the team to discuss and see what's best for his career and see where he's at physically and mentally. But I like that idea. I mean, look, he's going to, he's, you know, love him or hate him, probably the biggest, if not one of the biggest names in British boxing. So, you know, it's going to be a lot of eyes on him. And in that respect, maybe it is best to have that comeback fight before you jump into a 
Chris Eubank or Josh Taylor or um, Kel Brook or whoever that may be. What's that? You're knitting. What? what? No, I'm just plugging in the laptop, mate. All right. Knitting. Um, so, look, we know obviously Chris Eubank's rematch with Liam Smith was announced a while ago. How generally did that come close to happening? Or well, not? Look, we were supposed to get the results a lot earlier than we did, which would have meant that we could have made the fight. But remarkably, we got them towards the end of the uh, deadline period. So, unfortunately, Chris Eubank misses out on a massive fight. Conor Ben misses out on a massive fight. Wasserman miss out on a massive fight. We miss out on a massive But, you know, it is what it is. So, we've got to move forward and and um, schedule his career accordingly. It's a shame for Eubank because, obviously, would have made double the money in a fight that he probably thought was an easier fight to win, especially with Conor coming back. Would have been a big stadium fight, but we are where we are. At least he's clear to move forward, and that's what we'll be doing. If the last one of this, I mean, just moving forward and not specific to Conor Ben, how do you think this process with Conor, which has been obviously a taxing process for the last like 10 months, how do you think this kind of changes moving forward in regards to testing and VADA? I think the main, the main issue is, is as, as we've proved, and despite people like Victor Conte, I mean, I just don't know who's bunging him a few quid to tweet about me all day, but these tests have to be paid for. To put it into consideration, every testing process that we go through per fight is between 20 and 30,000 pounds per fight per show. We have 10 fights on a show or eight, you, know, you talk about a quarter of a million dollars per show in testing. The British Boxing Board of Control and UCAD do a tremendous job for the resources they have to run a testing program that actually is unique within governing bodies and commissions because other commissions and governing bodies just don't do it. You know, when you go to a fight and you have a fight in a state in America, you'll have testing on the night, sometimes occasional random testing, but generally not at all. The WBC also do a tremendous job. Now, people will say, yeah, but they're not testing enough fighters, probably because of the cost. But at least they're random testing fighters. If you're part of a program, Conor Ben went into that Chris Eubank Jr. fight, having signed up to WBC testing program, knowing that UCAD were testing him, and they did, I think, four times in the build-up to that fight, and asked for and requested additional VADA testing on top. So I think the problem in boxing in general is there's no universal body. So... Every rule is different in every country, and particularly in America, every single state. And it's very confusing. And there's, like I said, there's no universal rule. Um, testing's very expensive. Um, but I think in general, you know, I, I know we can do better as a sport, but in general, I think there, there are improvements being made. More fighters, sorry, more promoters are VADA testing for the bigger shows. Every major show that we do will always have additional layered testing. And that will continue to be the case. And, and we'll try and have as many of those shows as possible with additional testing. But as long as there's a testing procedure in place, 
which I think is where the British Boxing Board of Control do well. Um, but the problem is with the British Boxing Board of Control's testing is they'll test generally the bigger names and the bigger fights, but the smaller names, you know, you, you'll probably meet a fighter who says, I've never been tested by you, Ked. Whereas you meet, I mean, Conor Ben had four tests in the build-up to that fight. Anthony Joshua, same, every fight he has, plus he has the Barda testing. So, you know, it's difficult. And I think, again, one of the problems in boxing is no universal policy, different rules in different countries, and, di and worse than that, different rules in different states in America. Okay, um, just a couple more things. I do appreciate it's nine o'clock on a Sunday, Edward. I'm sure you've got better things to do than to be talking. No, about. mate, not at all. No, lovely. Now, um, announced tonight, KSI will take on Tommy Fury. Yeah. On the the 14th of October uh, in Manchester. Um, I noticed you retweeted it. Um, I've also noticed that you've given the whole YouTube boxing a bit of a pummeling. Interviews you know what? I really haven't. If you actually listen to my interviews rather than just read the clickbait that people like you I put out. I listen to your interviews. Right. Okay, and this is what I said. We need to remove ourselves as a sport as much as possible from influencer and YouTube boxing. As in, we are not them. They are not boxing. Go away over there. Not ban it, ban it from ever and get it off TV. Just saying. This is what we do. We are not influencer boxing. It's brilliant. It rates really well. It's a great entertainment format. I understand the attraction to the younger generation, but it's not boxing. So when I say boot it away, I mean from boxing. I retweet it because it's a fucking great event. And obviously for the zone, it's going to do great numbers. If you also listen to my interview, I say loads of times, I like Misfits. I think they do a great job. Listen, everyone knows I'm pals with Calla. Mams Taylor, I've never met, but he's obviously a smart guy. I love the format changes, but I never have a pop at them because I think as a product, I think it's really, really good. Their production's good. Their staging's great. But I don't, I don't want people to think that that is boxing because it's not. It's entertainment. And maybe, you know, I think Misfits on another level to, to Kingpin and stuff like that. And I was talking about the Kingpin event, but Misfits get dragged in because it's YouTube events and boxing. But I've had loads of people say, oh, you're retweeting this one. Yeah, it's massive. Massive. KSI against Tommy. And isn't Logan Paul's on the undercard? Yeah, all right. I hear what you're saying. But also, you're saying let's get it away from kind of professional boxing as far as yeah. possible. But they're both under the same umbrella under the zone. Like Doesn't matter because that's the zone. That's the zone. That's the zone. Entertainment. That's the zone. Influencer, YouTuber, whatever you want. We are world championship professional boxing. That's what we do. We sit here. They sit over there. I like them. I think it's a great product. It's just not for me. Doesn't matter. I'm a, I'm a hardcore fighter. That's why. By the way, every now and again there'll be events. And KSI Tommy Fury, I will watch. Absolutely. And you have to say, even KSI calls himself a YouTube boxer. I mean, he's actually coming out of that shadow with this fight. Jake Paul's done it. I don't see, I don't think Jake Paul is a YouTube boxer. I think he's earned his crust and earned his right to be a professional boxer. And I tell you, KSI is going in the same boat. Look, sometimes, you know, you watch it, it's tag team boxing, it's 
everyone's flight, you know, and then you've got the level of people that can actually fight and KSI's in that. But what he's done is unbelievable KSI. And I can't believe he's fighting Tommy Fury. I can't believe it. Fair play to him. Fantastic. Like, I know Tommy, again, yeah. And by the way, absolutely, Tommy Fury, you're a legend. You've swum the channel and you have had it right off. I know the money or reported money he's making for this. It's an eight-rounder, isn't it? I mean, he's boxed Jake Paul and KSI and made an absolute fortune. And he's, you know, in a, in a professional boxing sense, I believe has limitations to get to championship level. But forget that. Bloody well done. He's had it off. Smart business. And it's it's not, you know, it's, it's another world. It's going to be massive. It's going to do massive numbers. It's actually going to be a good fight. The streets remember where YouTube boxing started, mate. But not really. People say, oh, again, that's what I get all the time. Oh, you started YouTube boxing. No, I didn't. I did a rematch, you plonkers. How can I have started it if I did a rematch? Yeah, but on a, on this kind of level, you you had a lot to do. Oh, with. listen, just because I'm the biggest promoter in the world, don't, well, don't have to blame me. But I, when I did it, I never said a bad word about KSI Logan Paul. I promoted that fight. I made a fortune. It done great. My, massive business. I just, my business isn't in a position where I need to do things I don't want to do or I don't have in my heart. And that sounds cheesy, but I just don't. I, I can't stand up there and promote some of the things I see. I don't want to sit at a press conference with two YouTubers trying to scrap with each other and they couldn't punch away out of a wet paper bag. We're professional boxing. That's what we do. But love it from an entertainment point of view, from a business, from a production, from everything. So well done, Misfits. And I tell you what, they're make, I mean, that's a great fight to make. I didn't think they'd make it. When I first heard about it, I thought, nah, KSI's not going to take that. And if Logan Paul's on the card as well. And by the way, if it rams home a million subscribers for the zone or a million pay-per-view buys, how good's that for the platform? The audience just keeps on growing. Okay. Um, Haney Progray. Update us, obviously, we've heard. Yeah, I mean, Mike Coppinger, who's never normally wrong, jumped the gun. I mean, I, I text him. He, he asked me about it. He spoke to some people in the camps and he, he went for it. October 28th, Las Vegas. No, the fight is not made. I don't believe that will be the date. Might be. Um, but I spoke to Bill Haney today. I spoke to Devin Haney today. We're speaking to Regis Progray nonstop. Both fighters are up for the fight. Both fighters haven't agreed terms, but at the same time, we've virtually agreed terms for that fight. But there's still some work to do. I think it's very likely you'll see that fight, but we are running out of time and we need to conclude it in the next 24, 48 hours with the WBC. But that's the fight we want to make. It's a tremendous fight. And hopefully we'll be up tonight trying to get it over the line. Okay. Um, obviously, this is Sunday, quarter past nine, but in the next day or so, we've got some big announcements coming from your side, correct? Yeah, we will announce probably like three or four shows this week. Um First of those will be announced tomorrow with a press conference coming on Tuesday for that one. Um, some international stuff as well to be announced, but a big week of announcements. 
rolling into unbelievably 13 days away from Anthony Joshua against Dillian White. Can't believe how quick it's come around. I mean, I know we only announced it less than five weeks out, but unbelievable. And, uh, you know, announce all those shows this week and then move into AJ against Dillian White five weeks. It's going to be massive. I know you've made some comments about the Catchell Taylor potential rematch um, last week, but that is a, a strong possibility that could. Yeah, I mean, Sam Jones and Jack Catterall are, I mean, Jack Catterall's not doing my head in, but Sam Jones is definitely doing my head in. And he's doing a good job for his fighter in that respect. Um, we can't get the venue we want for that fight. And I want to get Jack Catterall out. So we're going to make Jack Catterall's uh, next fight for October. And then we're going to move to try and make the Josh Taylor fight December, probably unlikely, but January or very early February of 2023, uh, four. I think it's a fight that can be made. I some, saw some good comments from Bob Arum saying that he'd like to get the fight made. Um, and I want to make the fight. I think it's a great fight. It's a fight that should happen. I think it's a spicy build-up. And we'll be doing everything we can to deliver that fight for Jack Catchell or a world title fight. But certainly, you know, that's the fight that Jack Catchell wants badly. Has Tyson Fury ever been to an Anthony Joshua fight or vice versa? Good question. I don't remember. Mm, I don't think so. Has AJ been to a Tyson Fury fight? I mean, what would he have gone to? Dillian White, no. Chisora, no. I mean, they're recent. What other fights has he had in the UK? Christian Hammer, Pianetta, and Sefer Seferi. No, he hasn't been to any of them. I like the way you just chose to, like, almost have a pop at Fury then, right? Well, what's going on? T tell me his UK No, fight. but I'm just saying, he could have gone to... Has it a pop, has it a pop in? I've gone yeah. back over the last yeah, five just years. Opponents, like more. I, oh, sorry, picking opponents. They are the opponents. All right, okay. Who's that? Oh, you're just picking weak opponents. No. You could have said, I've had loads of pitch go oh, fight. Derek Chisora. Derek Chisora. Dillian White. Oh, blimey. I mean, I'm, I'm, I might be wrong. I don't know. Christian Hammer. Francesco Pianetta. Sefer Seferi. Derek Chisora again. Anyway. Yeah, so no, I doubt it. You're not going to invite him to August 12th? I mean, uh, he's always welcome. Always welcome. Um, okay, so announcements happening this week. It's going to be a busy week and then the busy week. Busy week. I'm yeah, now get... set for August 12th, yeah? No more additions to that? Yes, there's going to be at least one more addition, probably two. We're right. just waiting for clearance from the board on a fight that we've put forward. And then we will announce at least one more fight for August 12th with a big UK name, probably two. All right. Lovely. Have you made any more comments over the weekend about this whole Fury and Garner thing? Because I've seen no. you... No, leave me alone. No, I've just no. asked. I've just seen no. those little quotes. No. no. Oh, someone said like... You know, oh, Eddie Hearn would have made the fight. I said, no, Anthony Joshua, who doesn't have a world title, who isn't in line and got an undisputed world championship fight on a plate, Francis Ngannou asked me if I would speak to Anthony Joshua about fighting him. That's it. And I went to AJ and I've mentioned it to him and he said, no, I want to like, try and 
win the World Everywhere title. So some people like from, you know, like want to get the narrative of, well, Eddie Hearn would have done the fight. I said, no, Eddie, I'm telling you now, if the money that was being offered was there for my fighter to fight Alexander Usyk for the undisputed world championship, that's the fight we'd be doing. And Fury, I think Fury wins the fight. Like, I'm not, you know, everyone thinks that I say things that I'm hating on someone. I, I, and I've also said this, I get the Nganu fight. He's fighting a guy that's never boxed before and he's going to make 30 million, 40 million. I don't know how much he's making. But I would be pushing my fighter to try and make the undisputed fight, probably for double that, because I want, I want him to be undisputed heavyweight world champion and I think he can win the fight. So, but I get it. And I don't, I don't blame it. I don't hate it. And I ain't mad at you. You're not a hater, are you, really, mate? Just... I'm really not. I'm really... I, I, listen, I, I think... I think I'll give as balanced opinion as I can. I understand it. Great money. Understand the event. Heavyweight world champion. MMA champion. But, but he had a chance to fight Alexander Usyk, probably for double the money, and he chose not to. I just want to go back to Spence Crawford. Fighters, come on. Always get your value. Always get your worth. Let's make this sport great by taking chances, by being in big fights. And I promise you, if you're in big fights, it will not affect your value moving forward. And if you're good enough, you'll become a superstar en route. Okay, Edward, on that note, thank you very much for joining us this Sunday evening. Um, no problem. I will see you on Tuesday. Wink, wink, Tuesday, mate. And uh, I'll have a chat to my tattooist and see what he can do with you. Yeah, probably not, eh? But I just it's just something that crossed my mind. Or you could just let me slap you across the face. Probably prefer that than a tattoo. Especially should, with those guns. We should fight one day, mate. We'd make... But I would only... We, we would make... I mean, obviously, in boxing, there's always an A side and a B side. But 10... I've told people before, 10 mil is the price. Who the fuck is going to pay you 10 mil? Laura, then I ain't doing it. 10 mil? Do you think I'm going into a ring? I mean, me and you are big lumps, right? Anything could happen. I can't fight, you can't fight. It'd be very funny to watch, right? But you think I'm going to get chinned by someone just for banter? 10 mil is the price. What would I get? If I fought you, what would be my, like, my bit in that? I mean, if I was making 10 mil, what would you get? 30 grand? Something like that? I don't know. Fuck off. 30 what? grand. 30 grand. <laughs> no, I would say 100. I'd want 10%. You'd want a mil. If you're getting 10, I'd want 10%. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Maybe someone will put it up in the Middle East or something. Hmm. Um, Imagine if we got the call tomorrow. Oh, we'd like to do that. I'd be like, oh, shit. Mate, do you know what? See, August 13th, I might just stick it on you for nothing. Yeah, all right. <laughs> All right, mate. Listen, thank you very much. And um, we'll see you Tuesday. Do you want to do your screen grab right now? Like your screenshot? No, can you go central? And can you pull No wonder people think I'm such a prick. It's all because of you. No, like you're going mad. Mate, no more. You've got it. You've got enough. Eddie Hurst, thank you very much. We'll see you Tuesday. See you all. Have a great week. Let's smash it. See you Tuesday. Go on. See you later. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.